the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And I am with you today feeling like I know a lot of you are feeling if you've been paying attention to the news. I am heartbroken and I am angry and crying out. And uh, maybe you're just tuning on the radio. You've been at work and kind of away from the news and all of that. Um, So there's been another school shooting today. This one in Uvalde, Texas, 15 people killed, and uh, it's an elementary school, and it's kids, seven, eight, nine years old, uh, were at that school. And so we have been talking about that today. We'll take your calls, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, with me right now is uh, Larry Marino from KKLA to give us an update uh, from uh, KRLA. Uh, to give us uh, an update on uh, what's going on. Larry, thanks for joining us today. It's uh, good to be with you. Obviously, yes, it's one of those stories that many people probably are tuning in as they are just heading home from work right now. And hearing this for the first time, um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott says it's 15 people, as you mentioned, killed in a shooting today at an elementary school. Um, The governor of Texas says the suspected shooter, an 18-year-old man, also died and was believed to have been killed by responding officers to that shooting. Uh, Again, 14 children and one teacher were killed. And the school's name is Robb Elementary School. And as you mentioned, Uvalde, Texas. And for those who know Texas, this is about 85 miles west of San Antonio. It's not a big town. Um, Abbott says the shooter had a handgun and possibly a rifle. We don't have a lot of details on motive yet. Uh, Governor Abbott identified the gunman in the elementary school shooting that left at least 14 students dead and one teacher as 18-year-old Salvador Ramos. And uh, it's believed that he attends a high school. Again, 18-year-old Salvador Ramos. Now, here's where the speculation begins, and we don't really want to go there. Obviously, there's a everybody begins to look at the social media platforms that people were on, and there are some reports that suggests that he had four days earlier had an Instagram post showing two weapons, but there's really not a lot of details. We're going to learn a lot more in the next 24 hours about it. Right. Um, from what the governor said, he, he said it's believed that uh, the shooter abandoned a vehicle, entered Rob Elementary School with a handgun, and may have also had a rifle, but uh, it was not confirmed, uh, according to the latest report. They, this, uh, of course, people ask, well, what does this harken back to in Texas history? Um, it was four years ago that a gunman fatally shot 10 people at Santa Fe High School in the Houston area. So, again, mm-hmm. um, people are learning of this this afternoon for the first time, recapping. Um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott says 15 people were killed in a shooting at an elementary school, a lot to be learned about this. Uh, President Biden is going to address the nation. I believe they're saying it's about 5.15 our time, 8.15 Eastern tonight. 
Um, and you have to watch these stories, and, and there's some usual themes that come out in the past shootings. It, we hear from the, the president, and he seems to call for more gun legislation. Hillary Clinton doing that as well. But uh, as you know, um, people have used cars before. If they right. want to kill people, people have used guns. So we all have to be real careful and, and stand back and really learn the details before we jump onto uh, you know, blaming a particular thing. But that's, that's the story that we have for you. Yeah, Larry, thank you for that. And Larry, uh, you mentioned that with the laws. I don't think any, you know, we, we always say this about new laws and whatever your beliefs are that one way or the other. Has anybody actually proposed or passed any new legislation that's made any difference or even been passed that you're aware of? Now, there really hasn't been a lot of uh, legislation recently passed. Uh, some states, they'll say, have stricter gun laws than others. Uh, the president, when he goes and typically talks after these, he talks about usually several things, and you'll, you'll see if he says them tonight. He usually calls for um, a ban on assault-style weapons. A ban on assault-style weapons is being what he looks for. Mm-hmm. Also, anything that can uh, rapidly repeat fire. And, you know, gun enthusiasts and gun rights activists and Second Amendment uh, activists say, look, you can't go and take away uh, law-abiding people's weapons because of the the ill use of, of some who use them uh, illegally. So watch the themes, listen carefully, and, and you're right. The legislation doesn't always change hearts. Yeah, and I think we're going to have the same conversation, and then nothing will be different one way or the other. Uh, I hate yeah. to be cynical about it, but that seems to be it. But hopefully that's not the case. Maybe this will be enough that we do something different. I'm not sure that, that legislation is the answer anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there have been some talk uh, recently about trying to figure out the profile of people. But, you know, recently we've had a couple of different shootings. The Buffalo shooting where uh, 10 people were, were shot. We had, of course, this the church shooting here in Southern California that uh, a man actually stopped him from, you know, killing people and that one guy died. But uh, there, there are people who say sometimes they're, they're markers, they're warnings, they're things that, that people, you know, tell somebody. Yeah. And, and there have been people who have been taken in for background checks. Like I think the Buffalo shooting individual was actually taken in for uh, you know, a check to see if he was stable or not, and then released. You know, it's very yeah. hard in society to lock people up and, and get it right when you lock them up based on what their emotional stability is or isn't. And again, we know too little on this particular uh, story to go anywhere yet. Um, we also have another person... Uh, that we should mention was reportedly killed in this. There are reports that he killed his grandmother right. before going into that school. Right. So there could be a family uh, domestic dispute that was going on beforehand. Um, but we don't know. I think that uh, it's wise to just wait and see what comes up. Yes, and we'll learn more. Yeah. Larry, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Larry Marino is the host of KKLA SoCal Connection with Larry Marino. Uh, Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. if you want to hear more from Larry. Larry, thanks for being with us. Thank you. All right, so we are, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and we are uh, taking your calls and responding to what happened today. And, you know, he's right. We're going to hear from the president and we're going to hear from uh, different people Um, But this is the same. This is kind of the same response that we always get. And really what I want to get at here is that something's got to change. Something has to be different. You know, I go through uh, 
the Twitter machine, which is um, actually pretty good when it comes to breaking news. Um, and you see people crying out for it. LeBron James, he says this. He says, my thoughts and prayers go out to the families and loved ones lost and injured at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. And he says, like, when is enough enough, man? These are kids, and we keep putting them in harm's way at school. He says, seriously, at school where it's supposed to be the safest, there simply has to be change. There has to be praying to the heavens above with all kids these days in schools. I think that's where a lot of us are crying out. There's got to be change. And I'm I'm a cynic on this, and in at least from the political standpoint, I think that we're going to hear the same speeches left and right. And I don't know that there is necessarily a change that's going to come from government, but there's got to be a change that happens in in hearts. I think that the church is at the core of that. I think that the church has an opportunity again to remember that we're called to to work together, that the body of Christ is not divided into different congregations that meet in different parts of town and don't really care or even know what's going on in the other part of town. I think we're supposed to be together. And together, imagine what we, what kind of resources we have. These, these people, and uh, Larry mentioned this, there is already a story that might be brewing that there was something on social media. There's usually clues. The Buffalo shooter, there was clues. He had been interviewed. Another school shooting that happened a while before, he was actually in the counselor's office in that school, essentially saying, I'm going to shoot it up unless somebody does something, and then they let him go home, and the next day he does it. There's something else. There's something else, and I'm not sure that it's legislation. I think it comes from us. I think it comes from how we relate to each other and how we understand who we are as people. And as believers, we've got it. We've got the answer. It's Christ. And it's not just a silly thing to say. It's, It's who we are as people. If you know who Christ is, then you know what your purpose is. You know that you are loved, that whatever your circumstances are in life. C.S. Lewis once said that, Joy is independent of circumstances, that the joy you have from the Lord are independent of circumstances. And what that means is that when you know the Lord, your circumstances in this fallen world are not guaranteed to be good for any particular amount of time. Everybody's got ups and downs, and some people have more downs than ups. That's how it is. Solomon would write about that in Ecclesiastes. You have a whole book about that's the way it is in this life. Our hope is in Christ that there will only be ups for those who know him, that there will be everlasting life and that there is mission for us. The greatest endeavor of all of humankind is for us to tell people about Jesus and to make disciples of him, teaching them to obey what Jesus has taught us. 888-528-2557. Tom from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, You probably meet from Orange County. Okay, from Orange County, Tom. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I told the caller that I didn't want to specifically uh, mention the name of the cities that I live in, but I told them that I have solutions to... Okay, well, L.A. is uh, pretty big, so we're not quite sure where you are. To, um, ...for um, uh, the church at large to be in prayer, just like um, the International House of Prayer in in Kansas <laughs> City. Well, we, we need to be in prayer, for sure. ...and that we are invested with power and authority as joint heirs in um, Christ Jesus, with dominion and um, and uh, authority to uh, take down strongholds and uh, giants and pray against the principalities and darkness in the yeah. air, and not only for the 
for the church at large to come into a, uh, a bond of unity and do what we're supposed to do, but also that can um, help change uh, the USA around our nation um, and come back to God, just like you, what you were saying that yeah. the USA, if any nation would um, have the chance to come back, just like is, um, uh, Israel did three times. Yeah, we've got a shot at it. Tom, thank you for your call. And uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. We've been responding to the shooting in Texas and really asking what can we do. For sure, there is spiritual things going on. As I mentioned the last hour, all of these shootings have some things in common, but they also come from different motivations, different political motivations, different motivations with with sickness, family disputes, multiple different things. Uh, It's very hard to pull back the pathology. I think that the loneliness angle that uh, somebody was mentioning, I think also uh, in the last hour has a lot to do with it. I think social media is making it worse. I think that as a people, we are gaining our value because of likes we get, particularly young people. I was reading a story this morning about how, how less and less often do we have personal interaction with people that we are on our social media, on our phones, looking at a screen so often that things that even kids used to do with each other, riding bikes, hanging out in the park, playing ball, doing that kind of stuff. We don't, uh, maybe you play video games with somebody else, but you're still looking at a screen, but mostly you're by yourself. And we have become, and we're so lonely. We are so isolated and we don't know people and loneliness. It just harms. And that's a, that's another big thing going on. Donna from Covina. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Um, I think that, um, you know, I've heard people say prayer is not enough. But I think that if this whole country were to get underneath, prayer would be enough. The Lord hears us. Um, but short of a revival, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, the way things are now, we're always going to have mentally, you know, compromised individuals in the world and evil people in the world. So. Yeah. And Jesus loves the children, and we need to protect our children. So I really believe that we need to have armed security. And I know people don't like that. They feel that in this country, you know, their kids should should be feel free to go places and to do whatever they want and not have to see armed security. But I think there's a way to talk to our children to make them understand the need for armed security or for teachers maybe to have a gun and be trained in how to use it and be trained for emergencies like this. You know, I think Donna, that's, you know, whatever you think of it, that's kind of the direction we're going. Right. I mean, I think that, um, I had, you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip, thank you, Donna, for your call. Appreciate it. If you've ever been on a mission trip to, um, another country where there's a lot of crime, not really a police force or, you know, one that might be, you know, corrupt, uh, at a, super high governmental level. Um, I'll give you an example. I was in San Salvador a couple of times in El Salvador, and then I've been in different communities in in that country. And what you notice in the cities, though, is that most of the shops have an armed guard, somebody that the shop owners just hired, you know, somebody with a shotgun or a different weapon who just stands there. And you have to do that. There's so much crime going on. And I remember thinking to myself when I was down there and feeling the difference between our society and and the society in uh, El Salvador. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of things that are, that are moving forward in that country very slowly. 
uh, as far as development goes and those things. But I had this thought. The thought was, is El Salvador becoming more like us or are we becoming more like them? And my thinking of that was they're getting better, or at least they were in those times. There's a lot of trouble down there still. But I thought we're getting worse. And maybe they'll they'll get some better, but maybe we're going to meet them in the middle and we're going to have armed guards in front of all of our stores at the mall. You already have them at the jewelry stores, and we've got a story in the news of you know the violent uh, smash-and-grab things uh, in the jewelry stores and uh, people fighting back. Our teacher's going to have to be armed. Whether you agree with that or not, is that where we're headed? I think that's one of the, the questions. I want to say... Um, an old Christian thinker, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but he said back in the 70s that America is headed back to the Old West where everyone's going to be armed. Um, and I don't know, that that might be that might be for real. Uh, I hope that's not it. I hope that isn't necessary. There's certainly security that we need to do at schools. Um, schools aren't designed, you know, in a secure way for this, most of our schools. They're just not. Multiple entries are just... Um, and they're getting better. You know, we've seen this, um, but that's certainly something that's going to happen. Um, we just have a few minutes left, 888-528-2557, if you want to join me here. Um, I prayed in the last hour. I just want to say a prayer again. Um, there's so many different things going on. Uh, so let's just pray again. God, as we are talking about these things, uh, these families are hurting and there's not a magic word, but I pray that they'd be aware of your presence. And I pray that they would feel the the families, the first responders, the families who have lost their their kids, the the other parents whose kids are now witnesses to this terrible event, everybody who's involved, not only would spiritually feel the presence of God, but they would physically be in the presence of your church, that you would send people there who understand that this isn't something to to make political, that this isn't something to leverage for their own benefit, but that we would grieve with those who are grieving, that the church would be present, that we would be with them. God, I pray for their their well-being, whatever it is that is way beyond our understanding, the peace that you give that that transcends our understanding that you would give that to these families now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Chris from Whittier, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Now, I think, you know, we've been chasing this problem for some time and never really catching up. We're always dealing with it after the fact. But I think there is something that could be done that's more proactive and it's because these shootings don't come out of nowhere. These don't come out of nowhere. Mm. Yeah. They actually drop many, many clues that they're yeah. volatile and have this capability, but we're not paying attention. And I wonder if at some point we could develop something like a psychological stability score that tracks the same way that we track people's credit score. We look at somebody who has bad credit, we deny them access to loans and so forth. Well, if somebody yeah. gets a poor psychological stability score, then you don't let them buy a gun. You don't let them, you know, near um, volatile-type situations. I know China kind of does something like this, which creeps me out right off the yeah. bat. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds very sci-fi, but it seems like 
we're going to have to do something like that to get ahead of the problem. I wonder what you think. Well, uh, thank you for that call. You know, it is creepy. And uh, you're right. Uh, it's called, a, I think, a social score. So like you have a credit score, you also have a social score. And the, the scary thing about that is that people can rate you like you would be you personally would be on Yelp. You ever go to Yelp and, um, uh, you know, you rate, you know, some company that you did business with or something. And uh, Chris, thank you for your call. Um, there, the idea is that there would be like a Yelp for people, you know, right? So you would go to, you know, your name on Yelp and somebody that you interacted with would say, oh, he was a really nice person or, or she was really pleasant to be around or he was really a jerk. I give you one star and that people would start to rate themselves that way. And it would affect whether or not you can get a job. It would affect whether or not you can, um, you know, get a loan, your interest rate by your social score, like your social media account. If you got a Facebook or something, there would be people can rate you. That would be the idea. Um, and then part of the idea would be to report people who might have these kinds of beliefs that lead uh, to this kind of stuff. It's a scary thing. And, and you know, what I wonder about is, is the world being forced in that direction? I think it's a terrible thing to do that is what I think. I think that's a, just a horrifically bad idea. It's unfair uh, to people. Um, you know, if you run a business, you understand how vital your Yelp score is, you know, your score on Google reviews or whatever, you know, that matters that if somebody gives you a bad review, it can affect you, uh, in every way. And it may not even be fair. Sometimes people just go on there. They haven't even done business with you or they meant to put five stars, but they clicked one star. You know, it's, it's a big deal. Imagine if that's you, you are personally, and I don't think we'll find it constitutional to do that. And yet at the same time, somehow, um, you're right. We, we're usually having clues that this is coming. Sometimes the clues are in our face. Hey, this is coming. Uh, mental health and care for, for mental health, we need to revisit that. We need to revisit how do we identify people appropriately. There's, there's a whole lot to this discussion that we'll have to have another time. Um, but it is, uh, it's a very, very serious thing. Um, that we're going to have to address. And once again, I think that connection with people and congregations, maybe I'll leave you with this. Maybe this is something you can talk about as it comes up in your church, comes up in your small group. Congregations, I think, need to see themselves as pastors to the whole community, not just the people who show up. Meaning that you minister to all the people in the community, that you should know who they are, whether they come to your church or not. That if every church, every little church in the corner, every church everywhere sees themselves as a group of people who are connected to that community and the pastors of that community, even to people who don't want a pastor, but you know who they are, you love them. If you're involved that much in the community, I think that we, we prevent some of this. I think we prevent some of it because some people get to know the peace of Christ. I think we prevent some of it uh, because people um, are are discovered before they do this and they get the help that they need and they stay away from the things that the ideologies and the lonely groups that the internet thrives on where people get these crazy ideas that this is okay. And if you know people well enough, you, you start to see maybe they're purchasing weapons and what's that for? You should ask, you know, why do you have that? Um, why do you have so much ammunition? Why are you doing? But you can only do that if you have relationship, if you're close enough to see it. Uh, I think that the church can do this. 
so I'm going to end this topic for today. Um, and I want to leave you with this. The answer, my friends, is not going to come from Washington or Sacramento or local. Hopefully there's some things that we can do. Certainly as citizens, we need to be involved here. Uh, and I'm not saying don't be involved or to be hopeless with it. But ultimately, the answer is showing people Jesus Christ. The answer is the church being the church and not hiding in our congregations and little buildings, but getting out there and pastoring the community. And sometimes people don't want to hear about Jesus. That's okay. They still need to know you love them. I mean, it's not okay, but it's it's where they're at. You meet people where they're at, and you find that troubled person, and you don't just hide from them. You find out what's troubling them, and you try to bring people around them. This is what prevents a lot of this. This is what keeps people from getting there. And then you want, you know what? You find people who get a relationship to Christ. You find people who understand who Christ is. And Christ changes your life. He changes you. You get redeemed. You get recovery. You get reconciliation. This is the ministry that we have, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation to God. The church, we have to take this seriously in every issue, the violent issues, issues of abortion, which there's so much to say about that, and the need that we have to be with women who are going through the crisis of it. Uh, There are so many different ways. This fits into the, the transgender argument, whatever it is you want to talk about. The church, actually, when we are interacting as the hands and feet of Christ, as the eyes and ears of Christ, difference is made, communication happens, neighborhoods get better, everything gets better. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you today. Thank you for joining me. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. All right. My guest is Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family and host of its daily radio broadcast, heard by more than 6 million listeners a week in the United States on 1,900 radio stations, 220 million listeners, somebody told me worldwide. And Jim Daly hosts Focus on the Family with John Fuller that you can hear on KKLA every weekday at 7.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Scott, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you. Jim, you know, I wonder if you would start out uh, by talking about um, how you grew up. I think it, as we talk about this <laughs> issue, I think it's relevant. I think, and, and you spent some time right here in Southern California. Maybe people don't know that, but I think that your story is, is relevant to what we're going to talk about. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was born in West Covina, right there in Southern California. Lived all over Long Beach and other spots. And uh, believe me, I miss the weather. I miss Southern Cal in so many ways. Colorado's a good second. But, uh, yeah, my mom was uh, 42 when she had me. And even though it was before Roe v. Wade, just before Roe v. Wade, she thought about an abortion because being over 40 in the state of California, a woman could get an abortion even before Roe v. Wade based on medical problems. And so my dad talked her out of having that abortion, and I'm grateful for that. So I guess part of my fight about the life issue is just that. I mean, I feel, especially when it comes to poor families, poor women, that was my family. Uh, You know, part of the time we lived in Compton, I went to Star King Elementary School on Artesia Boulevard, third and fourth grade. So um, I don't think anybody has that right to determine that a poor child has no chance, therefore kill it. 
Yeah. Um, being a poor child, I would say, no, you don't. And uh, so that, you know, that gives me that perspective. And of course, obviously, uh, becoming a Christian early in my life, I just feel that, uh, like you said, I hope the result of all this is that the culture becomes less coarse, and we actually appreciate the idea of, of having and bearing children as a, as a blessing. Uh, it definitely beats having a dog. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, I, that's one of the things that we've talked about on the show is that a lot of the craziness going on, you know, maybe we're just witnessing uh, a lot more destruction, but maybe we're coming to a time when a new generation is going to take a look at what the truth is. And maybe yeah. we're going to have revival. Maybe it's different. Maybe this is an amazing time way, in history. Doesn't it? it feels yeah. like revival could be the seeds of it are settling in. You know, mm. one of the things down at Supreme Court, the protesters there, uh, we had a couple of focused staff members down there, and they just said that the spirit is so mean that they haven't seen anything like it, like them ripping signs out, you know, wishing death upon people down there. Which, again, I just, it's so unfortunate. Here's the deal with the decision and the leak. I mean, again, we're talking about a draft. We don't know if it's going to be exactly the same. Right. If it's released in June, that's important for everybody to kind of hold back. But if that holds, um, all it does is send it back to the states. Now our job gets actually more complicated to yes. work in all 50 states. And, uh, you know, I think from a, from a constitutional standpoint, all, all they're saying is the court did not have it right that this was not a decision that they should have legislated from the court's bench. This is a legislative issue. And for those who work for death, for abortion, if they want to go try to pass it in the Congress, get a president to sign it, that, that woman has the right to choose death for a baby. They've, that's the pathway they should go, not to fight it in the courts. There is no constitutional right for an abortion in the Constitution. And quite to the contrary, it says, you know, in the Bill of Rights for life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't That's that an right. irony? Yeah, it really, it really, really is. And I think when the dust settles, people are going to understand that a lot more. I think, uh, I said, you know, there's some statistic that's not really, uh, that gets thrown out there. 70% of people don't support the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but also 70% of the people think that doing so would end abortion altogether and make it illegal, which is also not right. And uh, people well, are learning. The same amount would want to restrict it as well. And, That's you know, right. Colorado, for example, right. we've gone right to the birth canal. We approved uh, abortion right up until the point of birth. Yes. And that's that's that is so cruel because a baby can survive after 20 weeks. That's right. And so those babies in the late second, third term, I mean, to kill them, literally, that's what you're doing because yes. they can live. We're dealing with that in California also. And uh, so in our states, your, your state of Colorado, California, this decision isn't going to change. Uh, it's going to make things um, more, uh, make, a, make abortion more available. What, are, what is Focus on the Family and other groups doing as we respond to this and we think about a post-Roe world? Yeah, again, it really gets down to working in all 50 states. I think in those red states that tend to be more tilted toward a pro-life position, like Oklahoma, uh, the governor there just signed a bill that basically eliminates abortion. We're going to have to step in, all of us as the Christian community, not any one group, but churches, pregnancy resource clinics in Oklahoma, and those states that are supporting life. And we need to be there. Um, it's an archaic argument to say that uh, we only care about the child. That is so 1973. That's because right. so many Christian organizations now support the woman, the baby. They do job training, job placement, budget training, uh, food 
help and so much to help that woman out. And I'm proud of that. And Focus yes. does its part. We've put ultrasound machines into clinics around the country. At this stage, we've saved almost 500,000 babies' lives through that effort. So I think there is a tide changing. You look at GE technology with ultrasound, you can see that it's a baby, a heartbeat at six weeks. You know this is human. And That's I think right. for those women that you know, the Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics tell them not to believe this is a baby. It's just a blob of tissue. That's a 1973 debate right there. It's it is. not a blob of tissue. It's a baby. I'm and surprised that that is still, yeah, I'm surprised that's still even being taught. And it is. And I think you're right. The, the science is in our favor with this because people can go look at the sonogram and they say, oh, and it tells them everything they need to know. It's the best argument for a lot of people, I think. Uh, on Absolutely. This, this and I, you know, the, the bottom line, is, it's probably I was trying to think, OK, Lord, what's the good news out of this leak? And I thought, well, at least some of the energy on the abortion side gets let out. It, yeah. It's not going to be big news in June when That's the right. Supreme Court comes out with its final opinion. And that may be good. Maybe it lets some of that energy out. And uh, on, in the same way, it's it's really a rallying cry for us to do more. It doesn't make it easier. It makes it actually more complicated. And we've got to do the Word of God, just not talk about the Word of God. So we've got to go help these women That's and help right. these children. I think it's a great opportunity, too. I was responding to a conversation on this online today, and they were basically saying only only Christians believe that the uh, baby is a baby, which is completely not true. And this is a smart person <laughs> saying this. And a whole crazy. bunch of people, what I enjoyed was there are people who are posting, you know, famous atheists, Christopher Hitchens and other people who say, no, no, clearly this is a, a child uh, that we're killing. And then somebody said, well, are you prepared to... Uh, make a father of an unborn child pay child support? Are you prepared to uh, take care of uh, an unborn infant from an immigrant? And a whole bunch of list of things. And I said, you know what? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I that's think another fact. thing. Yeah, I thought one of the things that I thought of yesterday when I was drafting my statement on that is this really puts men back on the hook. You know, abortion yes. took men's responsibility kind of off the hook. I remember right. a feminist in the 60s who later became a committed Christian. She said, we thought as women, we were going to get acceptance. And what we received through abortion, the pill, et cetera, was abandonment. That's right. What and, a statement. Uh, it is, and it's a, it's a statement that we see in all kinds of areas of the world of, of women's rights. You know, no-fault divorce. Well, who bears the burden of that, ultimately? Who gets to raise the kid? Who has to go get a job? Who has to go do a whole bunch of things? Well, the man writes a check, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and it's not the logic. Anymore. Yeah, right. back to the logic issue that you're expressing. I mean, we had a woman, Susan Sanguinetti, who worked for the BBC and later came to work at Focus on the Family, and she went to Beijing for the Women's Conference in 1994, I think it was. And Geraldine Ferraro, who some in your audience might remember, along mm-hmm. with, I think Hillary Clinton was there at that time as well. And she, as a press person, asked the question, when you're talking about women's rights, the woman's right to choose, what about the female baby? Does that child have any rights that's right yeah (laughs) and you get into this dead end of logic Uh, no of course not that female baby doesn't have a right but the female carrier has a right it's it's absurd actually yeah it really is the number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation 888-528-2557 i'm scott furrow this is southern california live we'll be back in just a moment do not go away
Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live Tuesday. Good to be with you this Tuesday afternoon. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, my guest is Jim Daly from Focus on the Family, and we're responding to the Supreme Court leak. And um, so when we look at the, the future, you mentioned how different it's going to be because we've got red states and blue states with completely different laws now. Uh, assuming that mm-hmm. this goes through, that's what the case will be. How does that how does focus on the family then change its approach uh, to dealing with this subject? Well, part of it, we're working on a strategy right now to see if we can rally uh, kind of by a state by state level uh, hospitals to provide pro bono medical services, birthing services to work with governors in those states that are pro-life. Uh, to work with Christian business leaders to see if we can get job training and job placement accelerated for these women. And, uh, you know, that is going to be a collaborative effort of churches, uh, Christian business community, et cetera. But I think, like you said, it's going to be a great challenge that we need to step up to. And I think over the arc of time, if you look at a 10-year survey, I would love to see God's shalom proven that those states that choose life, that all the indices when you look at thriving and well-being for families, for parents and for children, are significantly higher than the blue states. Now, I don't wish the blue states ill will, but I just think the principles of Scripture are true. And when you have states that uh, are lifting up the idea and valuing children, that you'll actually see a healthier environment for families. And I think the blue states, as you lift up death, you're going to see more chaos. You're going to see more teenage girls having a baby in the toilet at the prom and throwing it in the trash can. And that's horrible. And that's in part due to the fact that we as a culture don't lift the value of life up. And further, I think since 1973, I think it has been a coarsening toward a child, a war on children. You know, if you get pregnant, don't have it. Get aborted. If you get married, world population, don't have a child, have a dog. I mean, it just is relentless if we step back and look at it. And I think we're seeing that as a lot of stuff because of the COVID and parents got to go to school with their kids for the first time over Zoom. We have seen a lot of things get exposed in our schools, the, the stuff they're teaching kids about sexuality, things that are being done to hide stuff from parents. That's that's being exposed right now. And I think you're right. It comes back from the 1970s, from the 73 decision that really is against kids. And we're seeing that get exposed across the board. Uh, today, I, yeah. I think it is related. I think the violence we're seeing is is a part of it. The our approach that's wrong in a lot of our blue states to homelessness, even that's just so anti life. Right, uh, it's exactly. just shocking. Right. I mean, these moms who you know have this horrible situation where they maybe have uh, you know emotional difficulty and they end up killing mm-hmm. their three month old. How do you explain that? That that's wrong, which it is. But how yes. do you explain that? That the state was going to allow it as long in Colorado, as long as it hadn't come out the birth canal yet. I mean, these become quandaries of logic that don't fit together. And I do think that coarsening is upon us. And back to your original point, I think the seeds of revival uh, may be being placed right now so that the younger generation goes, wow, what are we thinking in the 21st century? Surely there's enough uh, adoption capacity, placement capacity, assistance for these moms that they can have their children, and we'll all be better for it. You mentioned that the churches need to come together with groups like Focus on the Family in a collaborative effort. 
Uh, I think that is the key. I think all of us working together and not just in our own little, you know, church, you know, walls, we have the ability to make an incredible impact right now. What are some ways that, that churches or believers who are listening, how can we get together? What are some ways that maybe through focus we can get together and really help make an impact? Well, one of the ways, you know, these pregnancy resource centers that are around the country, there's about probably 4,000 of them. And some of them are really well equipped and they have wonderful budgets and the community supports them strongly. Others are a little weaker. They're not as well uh, staffed. They're not as well supported. So I think one of the first things we can do is look into your town or your city and see if there's a pregnancy resource center that's trying to do the right thing and provide services to these women and to help counsel them into having a baby. The good news is about 59% of abortion-minded women that walk into those clinics, once they see their image, the baby's image, Mm -hmm. and they get counseling, 59% of pro-abortion-minded women will choose life for their baby. So that's a good statistic if we just start there by, uh, you know, kind of bolstering their efforts at the community level. So for churches to adopt these clinics, to wrap around them, to make sure they're resourced well enough to staff them with volunteers, et cetera. I think it's a great first start. And then for the business community to come around the effort, maybe it's billboards, maybe it's an ad campaign at the local level in your community, do some local television ads to support women who are pregnant and uh, don't know what to do. And then, uh, again, I think unfolding that plan, working with hospitals and governors. I was meeting with Governor Yonkin talking about this. He said, how soon can you have that ready for Virginia? What an awesome state. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, same news. with DeSantis. I met with him, yeah. and it was the same thing. Come to Florida. We want Focus to work here. So I, I just am so excited about those that rally around life and the openness, like these governors. And I wish it were blue governors, too, Democrat governors. Mm-hmm. I wish they would see the value of life. Why kill off your future citizens? I've always been right. struggling with Disney. Why support abortion? They're your, they're your clients in they're like clients. three years. I yeah, don't I, understand that. I have the same thought. I'm I'm thinking, isn't there somebody on the board of directors at Disney who's got kids who's saying, "Hello, wait a minute." You know, this is our this is who we're trying to reach. My and, goodness, 63 million abortions since Roe v. Wade. Right. Think of that. The impact of that. It's the loss of human capability and capacity. I mean, we should all be really sobered by that. We should be. And uh, and I'm hoping that we are. I hope that uh, even with the social media as bad as it is, there are some good things that go viral on there sometimes. And younger people are watching both sides right now, and they're hearing opinions they've never heard even from their friends. And it's another area that I think there's a there is a possibility of actually getting some good information out of in the midst of all of the terrible stuff that's there. I agree. And you know the other thing, this is core to the Christian faith. The first century Christians. They were saving babies from infanticide. Right. They even had they had abortion capability back then. There was, uh, you know, mixes of herbs and things that would hasten the, the birthing process, and they'd have a stillborn. So the Christian community was engaged right from the beginning, and uh, much of Rome was turned upside down because of the intentionality of the church to save those children. They were known as a pro-life group. And these babies would be thrown out at the dump, these unwanted children after being born. The Christians would go collect them and take them home and raise them as their own. We need that kind of attitude once again, and we can change Rome once again. 
That's absolutely right. The history of the church is when whenever we take care of people and we love people in practical ways this way, it's it creates a revolution in whatever system they're in. And, it does. It yeah. just takes our willpower to do it and not right. being distracted by ease and comfort. So that's right. our challenge, and that's a fair assessment. And young Christians, they get that. They understand that. Yes, they do. Hey, Jim, um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Any challenge for our audience or something you'd like to share about what's coming up on Focus on the Family? Well, let's pray. I mean, that's the main let's thing. Let's that. pray. This decision, being here in D.C., looking at what the mayhem down at the court uh, earlier today, we need to pray for our country because, uh, you know, some believe when they don't get their way, they're going to throw a great tantrum, and it may cause mm-hmm. incredible damage. So we need to pray that people keep their cool. And we work as a democracy. We respect the decisions that are made on all sides, and we move forward. That would be number one. And then number two, let's pray for the church to wake up and get going and do the work we need to do. All right. Would you mind if I prayed for you before we're done? Sure. Pray for those things. Thank you. God, thank you for Jim and for Focus on the Family. I thank you for Jim's life, just the way that you have reached him and the the, um, way that he has proven wrong what a lot of people say today about the future of a person, and I pray that his testimony gives continues to give uh, encouragement and faith to so many people who hear it and for the ministry of Focus on the Family. Lord, we, we pray for our country right now. Number one, we pray that we would stay calm and that we would not be resorting to violence as people may protest or express themselves, that we would find a way to actually communicate what is true. I pray for the church in that, that we would not be carried away with distracting arguments about other things, but that we would be loving but firm and bold in our statements and in our actions and taking care of the unborn, taking care of moms in crisis pregnancies, taking care of of fathers and encouraging fathers to be involved uh, in all of these different Mm -hmm. things, God. And and let us not be discouraged if we're in a state that is not supportive of this because – your spirit will work, and all of these different things will work wherever we are to take care of people who need to know your love, who need to know they are loved and that they have value, their children have value, and we always have hope. We thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. I so appreciate that. You're welcome. Jim, thank you for joining us today on Southern California Live. Jim Daly hosts the Focus on the Family program with John Fuller that you can hear on KKLA every weekday at 7.30 and 11.30 a.m. Also in San Diego and KPRZ at 7.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Jim, thank you for being with us today. All right. Take care. All right. God bless you. Friends, we are out of time for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. You know, I had all kinds of other things we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about that later This was so much better. Thanks for being part of the family here at KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.